So in this episode, Jeremy Jones and I discuss common nutrition and exercise misconceptions, as well as how to properly create and follow a weightlifting program for yourself if you don't have access to a coach. Jeremy is a personal trainer based in Raleigh, North Carolina, who works with his wife to help people with their workout programming and nutrition. After working a gym in Washington, D.C. for five years, he got tired of the grind of working in person and decided to move his business online so he could impact a greater number of people in various regions. We talked about a lot of great stuff, so I'm excited for you to dive into this episode with me. Hey, what if I told you I have the secret get fit quick formula? Well, I'd be lying. See, there isn't a one-size-fits-all magic potion, and fitness isn't something obtained overnight. I learned that the hard way. Through many failed experiments, I've ended up on all sides of the scale, from overweight to underweight to now my ideal weight. I've been where you are. It took a while, but I finally discovered there is a simple formula. It's reliable and sustainable. It can be tailored to your individual genetics and goals. It's not a shortcut, but knowing about it is. This show is meant to guide you along your health journey. By listening to the stories of health and fitness professionals, you will learn the principles and habits that can lead you to long-term health. I'm Teddy Benz, and I want to help you craft your fitness formula. Jeremy, hi. Thanks for joining me. Hi. Good to be here. I really appreciate you um, coming on the show. So um, could you tell me a little bit about yourself? I know that you run your own online uh, coaching business, but can you tell me a little bit about how you got into health and nutrition and how you decided to make it a uh, career path for yourself? Yeah. um, So I've worked in sales pretty much my whole working career up until about seven years ago. Um, I just, I was actually working for Verizon Wireless and got up into like the upper management stuff and um, not like upper, upper, but I was, I had three different like retail stores that I had to deal with. Um, and I don't know if you've ever been to a Verizon, but you know, there's just a bunch of like 18 year old kids that work there and turnover rates high. People steal stuff. It's just like, not only are you having to deal with like, you know, the numbers of the store, but also angry customers and then your employees. And it was just like such a headache. Um, I just hated it. I did enjoy the sales portion for a long time, but then it just, you know, wasn't worth it for me anymore. And I've always been into fitness, um, kind of off and on. Um, or at least I've been consistent off and on, which doesn't sound right, but I decided that I wanted to do something that I really liked to do. Uh, so I ended up moving to Washington, DC and, uh, I started as a personal trainer there. It was actually my first training job and, um, it was for Vita fitness and they have, I think, five locations in D.C., but huge, huge gym, like over 4,000 members, four stories, pool, restaurant on the roof, like the whole thing. So it was it was a cool experience. Um, I learned a lot uh, and then kind of worked my way up. After about six years of that, I decided to move back closer to family because I'm originally from Atlanta. Um so I ended up in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I started my own business and um, 
you know, because as a personal trainer in person, you can only train so many people for an hour, you know, so I wanted just to build something bigger and be able to help more people. Mm-hmm. Is that one of the reasons you decided to leave the gym you were working at? It sounds like it was pretty nice, but you were probably limited in uh, the number of people that you could actually. Uh... Right. Yeah. And, you know, if for people who are passionate about this stuff, they are not going to be in a gym forever. They, you know, don't want some other company taking 50 or 60% of their session. Uh, you know, so either like a studio is pretty common. You'll see people do or online, which is what I'm doing now. It's a little different than most online training, uh, formulas, programs, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I try to work with not too many people at once because my whole thing is, um, I have a, registered dietitian who works directly with my clients. So it's not, you know, sure I'm a quote unquote nutritionist, but a dietitian is, that's where it's at. The uh, master's degrees, internships, like they've, they've seen a lot. They've very educated. And so I decided to implement that service, which has been very successful. Um, because, you know, the diet is often um, not given as much attention as the actual programming itself or really vice versa. So the idea is a three month package is, is how I do it because I don't want people to go through a month, see small changes and then just like not want to do it anymore because it's definitely not cheap. And you want them to do the whole three months because for people who don't understand all the science behind everything um, as much as you can you know explain all this to them it's just it's hard for them to be patient I guess especially in the world that we live in where everyone's selling shortcuts and you know so it can get a little tricky there but after the three months uh, they always have success you know and it's not because I'm like some magic guy or anything it's just I just spend a ton of time with my clients. So every week we have check-ins, um, always checking in with the dietitian. So it's just like, you know, accountability and also just really monitoring their programming live, like on, uh, the Google sheets. So I can see like, you know, what your numbers were and then I can go ahead and edit it for the next week. So it's just a very hands-on, um, experience, I guess. Right. And I think it's smart to um, have people locked in for those three months and to be there and keep them accountable because uh, you're right. A lot of time there is that thought that fitness is something that you're just going to achieve overnight. Like if you just start using this special diet or doing these certain workouts, you're going to end up ripped in a week, but you have to kind of temper those expectations and it's something you have to do consistently over time. Yeah. And and also, you know, just different people have different goals and uh, everything takes, you know, different length of time to get there, you know, so losing a little bit of fat doesn't take long at all. Gaining much of muscle, well, you know, that can, that can be a little bit uh, more lengthy of a process depending on um, the level of the athlete, I guess.
Right. Um, what are some other common mistakes that you see people making, particularly in their exercise choices? I guess the most common thing I see is people doing too much of whatever it is that they're trying to do. Um, generally because they'll see someone who's bigger than them doing it or faster or whatever sport they're in. Um, you know, they'll see a guy in the gym with a six pack and they're just going to copy what he's doing. And there's a lot of moving parts there and there's genetics. There's, you know, who knows how long that guy's been working out. And a lot of these coaches will just kind of tell you that it's, they have like the secret method. It's like squat every day or, you know, never squat or whatever. Uh, but it's, it's not that simple, unfortunately. So yeah, just people just doing a little bit of something, not doing it for long enough. And that's kind of why I'm, I'm taking this path and why I took interest in your um, podcast was especially when you were talking about trying to like sift through all the crap and find the truth and all this stuff and how it all works. And, you know, with, uh, saving, saving time, saving lives. <laughs> right. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So what kind of tactics do you use to, um, address that kind of mistake to get people to understand that, uh, maybe they're, lifting too much weight that they should reduce their weight, not ego lift, or that they're trying to do too much at once and kind of temper their expectations of what they should be doing. Well, I mean, really just explaining to them the science behind it the best I can and simplest way possible using lots of, you know, metaphors and analogies and just trying to like get them to get it, you know, because, you know, especially for someone who has been lifting for a long time and just has like a plateau, they're not going to see any uh, really quick gains um, from changing something like that. Although they will see, you know, a lot of gains. It's just not going to happen as if someone had just started out in the gym. Right. And I think that touches on a good point. A lot of times um, people, if they're following a program that really isn't the best for them they'll, they'll still end up seeing those gains when they start out those newbie gains and they'll think oh this must be the way i should be training because it's working right now but then once they've made all of their genetically possible newbie gains that no longer works for them anymore because it really wasn't that great of a program it was just kind of cashing in on the the newness of it yeah exactly so Obviously, um, having a coach there for you, keeping you accountable is great, but a lot of times people, whether they're more independent and they want to do things on their own, or they just don't have the money to afford that kind of training, what are certain ways that um, people in that situation can look at the way that they've personally programmed for themselves and see if it's working for them? And if not, how they can improve it. So what are some certain ways they can analyze their own training? Yeah. So if they're doing some programming for, let's just say someone is trying to gain muscle. So hypertrophy is like the primary goal. Um, you don't want... Sorry to cut you off, but no, could you explain what hypertrophy is? 
Yeah, so that's essentially just muscle growth. Mm-hmm. You know, that's simply put. Um, it's working in a certain uh, like stress level to cause uh, muscle size and gains versus uh, like strength training. So to answer your question, the program someone would be doing, let's say it's like a, you know, four week program. You gotta, you gotta follow the program, track your stuff. Cause if you're not writing everything down, then you're not really going to know what works and what doesn't. Um, and you know, you just have to listen to your body. So if you're doing, you know, sets of 10 reps on bench press and you just don't feel like your pecs are really burning, activated, pumped up, but you just, you feel it a lot in your triceps or something. It's oftentimes it's just your muscles. You may have, you know, more slower twitch fibers in your chest than fast twitch than the, as you know, than someone else. So you have to actually change the rep range a little bit so you can actually get that pump. And I know it's like chasing the pump is sounds very bro sciencey, but for hypertrophy, I mean, it, it is kind of true. You gotta, you gotta activate the muscles to get the blood in there. And um, so I guess not looking at another program and just thinking, okay, this rep range is the way this works. You kind of have to use auto regulation to, make your own decisions based off of how your body reacts to this stuff. So in a situation like that, um, what would you do to try to feel that pump better? Would you increase your reps or increase the weight and decrease the reps? Like what kind of recommendation would you have? Yeah. So if you're truly getting close to failure, which for hypertrophy training, you don't really need to get that close, uh, you have to get about, you know, four reps to failure or so away. And that's a really good way of kind of using auto-regulation would be to think during your set, how many more reps can I squeak out? You know, gun to my head is what I always say. Like, mm-hmm. how many more can I do? And if the answer is more than five, then it's not heavy enough. Assuming you're, you know, aiming for a rep range. So say we're Say we're going for like, you know, six to eight reps. If you get to, you know, four and you feel like you've got, you know, four left in the tank, you could stop there and you would be able to stimulate muscle growth just from that. There's um, been a number of studies out there that would suggest that those last four reps um, would have maybe some return, but minimal return, right? Right. And, And that would be, you know fall under the whole progressive overload and fatigue management is that's when that really comes into play because the closer you get to failure, the more fatigue you're going to experience. And that doesn't just mean like you're going to be, you know, panting or sweating. It's your muscles literally are getting broken down and there's debris, uh, so to speak, kind of floating around and, you know, it takes a long time or some time for that stuff to work itself out depending on what system it is. But over, like I said, if it was like a four week thing, you could say like week one, you would, you could start by doing, getting about, uh, you know, four 
or even five reps away from failure on all of your exercises. And then the next week you could get a little closer to failure, like, you know, three or four and then the next week. And then on, on like week four or five or however long the mesocycle is, you pretty much go all the way. You don't have to go straight to failure, like mid rep, but you want to get as close as you can. And then you're going to do a deload week. So you kind of do this progression of uh, overload because without overload, you're not going to get hypertrophy. So, but if you went one away from failure right at the beginning, then you're just, you're going to be so banged up that even you're, you won't even be able to start your second week. You know, so people get excited and they want to do tons of volume and the, I, I, I hate to like bash on CrossFit, but, <laughs> but uh, it's just sort of created this stigma of like, you know, taking the no pain, no gain to like the whole different level. They're just like no rest days, work out as hard as you can, screw form, just go for it. And that's kind of, even if you don't do CrossFit, you know, people are just like, oh, I'm not progressing, so I must not be doing enough, which isn't, you know, a, a wrong way of thinking normally. But in this case, um, more often than not, really, uh, less is more, you know. Right. And if people um, see that they're not progressing, um, but maybe it's just like, one week they dip a little bit and then the next week they go back up or they're even um that's a normal thing to experience um because progression mm -hmm. isn't a linear uh trajectory uh, you're going to experience ups and downs so long as you're generally moving up i think you're in a pretty good place yeah for sure so switch gears a little bit um just gonna ask you for one actionable tip that you can provide my listeners. Um, so suppose this is someone who is brand new to um, the idea of health and fitness. Maybe they um, have been to the gym once or twice, not really have any uh, plan in place. Um, they eat a just kind of typical, um, not too nutritionally complete diet, um, what would be one actionable thing that they could do today to start improving their health and get them moving on the right path? Well, I think in terms of the programming, some of these principles don't weigh as much on the, on the newcomer. Um, the most important thing is just being consistent with your diet and your lifting pretty much no matter what you do, you're going to see muscle growth for a while, um, you know, to some extent. But I would say, you know, staying away from these bro splits, which uh, means, you know, working out one muscle group uh, once per week. So, you know, people will do legs one day a week, um, but they'll go like super, super hard. And you'll see them doing like, you know, tons and tons of sets. Uh, and then they can't walk for a whole week and they hit it again. I would go ahead and just not do that because it's uh, in the beginning, you'll definitely see some growth. But if you were to split all of your 
training into uh, like twice a week and just lower volumes, you are going to have a much better time. Um, you won't be so banged up and your technique will be better. You know, it'll just work a lot better. So, you know, we're like working each muscle some to at least the minimum adaptive volumes to gain muscle, obviously, um, is all you really need to do. And, uh, and of course, eat enough calories. But like I said, if you are new to the game, even if, even if you're not in a caloric surplus, you can still gain muscle. It's basically magic, but <laughs> it, do it doesn't last long, you know. Right. So take advantage of that while you can. Exactly. Maybe have a, while you could still gain muscle um, in that uh, calorie deficit as a, as a new uh, lifter, you would um, probably see optimal results with a slight calorie surplus. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of calories, um, we were talking uh, before we started recording. And one thing you mentioned is that uh, you have a nutrition calculator. Um, could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. So the nutrition calculator, because um, everyone's all about macros these days. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, it's like calories in, calories out matters the most. But if you are hitting your calorie goals, the macros obviously are very important, but it can be tough planning out these meals and and not ending the day with like oh i need you know 15 grams of fat and i went over on you know carbs and protein so what am i supposed to eat you know what i mean so like or you know needing way too much protein at the end of the day or whatever it is this calculator will you put in your goals your your calorie goal your bmr and then it splits all of your meals up in, into your macros. So it'll tell you how much protein, carbs, um, and fat that you need for each meal. So if you eat three times a day, it's gonna break that down uh, for you. And then if you eat four or five times a day, it'll do that. So there's basically like an option to select which version of this you would like, and then it just breaks it up for you. That way you can look at each meal and be like, okay, I only need this much fat, protein, carbs for lunch, so I can just eat this, and I know I'm I know I'm on track. You know, as long as you hit these meal goals, I guess. So it makes life a lot easier. It's uh, helpful to break your macronutrients um, down into smaller chunks that you can eat at uh, certain times, rather than saying, "Okay, I need to hit this big number." by the end of the day. Yeah, and you know, I've actually fallen victim to that. So my personal fitness goal is just to be very big. I just wanna be a big dude. I'm not trying to compete or anything. I just just like being big. And <laughs> um, so my, I guess my end game goal would be like 230 lean. That's pretty big. I'm 6'2", I'm, I'm so I'm already kind of tall. So it's not like that ridiculous. But about two years ago, I went from I think I was about 200 and well, I think I was like 210 and then I got up to 230 um, through one bulk and obviously you're going to gain fat it's inevitable but I gained a lot of muscle and I eventually I had to stop 
because I got a stomach ulcer from from overeating uh, too many calories at one time. So my my goal was it was a little over four thousand calories a day, which for you know my how much lean mass I had on my body at that time, it's not ridiculous. It was pretty you know uh, normal calorie goal. So that wasn't the problem. It was the problem was I would be working so much. Uh, training and then it would be like you know 2 p.m and i haven't had any food and then i would still try to jam all that food throughout the day so the rest of the day i'm just like drinking these weight gainer shakes uh grabbing anything i can to hit this goal and then you know at the end of the night i'm having like i would have had like a big dinner and then follow it up with a huge weight gainer shake right after which is you know stupid because your body can't do anything with all that stuff at one time. Right. That's kind of relates to what you were saying about working out. You don't want to force everything into one workout. It's better to be consistent. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's the same principle. And that even from someone who knows how it works, that there's a pretty big mental element to this whole thing because you're like, okay, I've got to at least hit my calories. It's got to be better than not hitting them. You know, that's kind of what I was thinking, but that just isn't true because you're just going to feel sick. Um, your workouts are going to suffer. And, uh, you know, in my case, I got a stomach ulcer, so <laughs> that was not fun. Um, you know, and also just like ramping up to, so if you're going to bulk, if you're going from like 2,500 calories to 3500 you would definitely want to like ramp up over the you know the course of like a couple of weeks or so um right not just suddenly switch and say i'm eating a thousand more calories now yeah like yeah than than yesterday today i'm eating an extra two meals from now on and that's for one thing it's just going to be hard to do because you're not going to be hungry and you, you know, if you ramp it up slowly, you, you will actually stretch your stomach out a little bit and it won't be as uncomfortable to hit those goals. Right. Progressively overload your stomach size. Exactly. Yes. It all <laughs> yes. ties together. Is there anything that you would want to uh, tell my listeners, anything important you think they should know health wise that maybe my questions didn't bring out? I want to say something on technique because I'm uh, really in tune with biomechanics and making sure technique is great because of course you have the programming like the how much and what but you're not going to get very far if you're you know doing quarter squats or your bench press is bouncing off your chest you know so there's a there's a few common technical things that I see um and I'll just, you know, quickly go over them. Like for bench press, for instance, I always see um, people will say, you know, I don't arch my back because it's cheating. Well, in order to access your pecs, you have to arch your back in a bench press, at least to some degree. Uh, or you're just going to be mashing with your triceps and your front delts. And how often... Do you hear people with rotator cuff injuries and shoulder injuries from bench press I mean, all the time, right? So um, even if you don't have like a 
tear or anything, eventually that is going to get very tight and you're going to see like the forward rolled shoulders. Um, and it is not a coincidence that you, you see that on guys with big chests, <laughs> like walking around because they're just not, they're either not, you know, training their back well enough or they're just going crazy on bench press with bad form and over time it can just morph your body like your whole posture changes uh so you know bench press arch your back just keep your butt on the seat you know so that's that'll kind of help you from getting a little a little wild uh squatting um that one can get tricky you have multi-joint movements there, but as long as you're mobile enough, like your ankle mobility is good enough, um, you definitely want to squat uh, at least to parallel. Um, and, you know, people with different limb lengths are going to look different when they squat. So someone, you know, who has super long tibias for instance does a squat and i'm mentioning myself because i have very long legs when i squat my knees go way over my toes when i squat and you know i'm sure you've heard that one before that knees over the toes is really bad for your, your knees and um that's just not true at all um that's how you really activate your quads now if your heel is not touching the ground in a squat, then yeah, <laughs> it's not good for your knees because now you've you've basically shut off your whole posterior chain at that point and all the stress and shearing forces are on your knees. So as long as you're like planted and your knees are tracking with where your toes are pointed, so that prevents any twisting because knees don't do that. And you're gonna you're gonna be great. You're gonna feel better. It's just gonna feel stronger. Um, so I think just the whole knee over the toe thing, people need to get that out of their mind because what happens is they they just think that's like a, a rule, you know. Even I've I've had plenty of trainers, colleagues uh, telling their clients, never let your knee go over your toe. And it's they don't even tell you that stuff in these personal training curriculums. Um, I've actually taken three different ones before and they're the nasm is the the best one but it still doesn't really tell you much you know it just kind of tells you how not to kill somebody you know <laughs> but which is obviously very important but it's just not going to really help you program uh, that effectively so you know that way you're not pushing your butt way out in a squat and trying to like strain your low back. It's just, if it feels right, it's probably right. I mean, for the most part. It's important not to stick to some hard and fast rule if it's causing you pain in other places. Um, for sure. Because, I mean, maybe when I squat, my knees don't go over, go past my toes just because I have a shorter tibia. Yeah. But but in your case, they do. And that's what makes it comfortable for you and allows you to keep everything else um, in a good form. Yeah, exactly. And really speaks to the individual nature of fitness. 
Right. And it's just the same as with the programming, you know, your rep ranges, you might respond better to a little bit different rep ranges than someone else. Right. Um, just like technique, you know, uh, like a, like a deadlift. If you're doing deadlifts, your hips may be a lot lower, um, or I guess it'd be easier to describe it as your torso would be more vertical than me doing a deadlift with long legs. My hips are going to be a little bit higher. My torso is going to be more uh, horizontal, parallel to the ground almost, just because that's that's the optimum position uh, mechanically for me to pick it up. You know, um, someone else, with shorter legs, uh, longer arms, they're going to be more upright. And that's the most advantageous way for them to pick the weight up. You know, it's just all based off of levers and fulcrums and all that fun stuff. It's because um, that's, you know, what we are. It's just a bunch of muscle tissue and skeletons and simple machines. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining me. Um, just want to mention that the uh, nutrition calculator that uh, Jeremy was talking about, uh, there's a link to that in the show notes. So if you're interested in that, uh, please check that out. And um, where can people find you if they want to get in contact with you? So my Instagram is definitely my most active platform and it is at Jeremy J E R E M Y underscore E T S, which stands for empire training systems. Uh, and my website is empire training systems.com where you can, you know, see a little bit more of how the program works and then, uh, you can schedule consults from there or my Instagram. And uh, links to all that stuff will be in the show notes as well. Um, so, yeah, thank you so much for joining me, Jeremy. Yeah, thanks a lot for the opportunity. And congratulations on the new oh, podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Take care. Hey, I wanted to say thank you so much for listening. I've set a goal of helping as many people as I can live happier, healthier lives, even if it is just in the small way that this podcast can provide. If you have found this episode valuable, and if you haven't already, please consider subscribing as well as leaving a rating and review. It helps grow the show, which allows me to reach more people like you. Until next time, be well. One of the things that really stood out to me from Jeremy's stories was the ulcer that he got. It just shows that if you're not careful and consistently do things that aren't good for your body, there could be pretty disastrous results. In the next episode, I talk with Jennifer Delaney about certain health situations, which may not even be the result of carelessness. It's just something that you aren't aware of and how to go about analyzing the foods you eat to determine what might be causing health problems for you. So stay tuned and check out that next episode with Jennifer Delaney.